Statistics show that more than 85% of all people suffering from substance use disorder also suffer from a mental health challenge. Today on Safe Radio, we talk about the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition, a unique system of care open to all Massachusetts residents who seek recovery from mental health and substance misuse challenges. So stay tuned as we speak with representatives from the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition coming up next on Safe Radio. Welcome to Safe Radio, offering hope, health, and healing in these challenging times. My name is Ann Bergen. I am co-host of this series of programs, joined by Jim Derrick, creator of this podcast and a founder of the Safe Coalition, a grassroots organization dedicated to providing treatment options, education, unconditional love and support for individuals and their families who are struggling with the consequences of substance misuse. Jim is a dad first, a dad who knows the fear, guilt, torment of watching, sometimes helplessly, a beloved family member struggle with both mental health and the absolutely ineffective coping mechanisms used to deal with the pain of living. SAFE is devoted to educating a community to erase stigma, to make it easier for those who have had enough to reach out and know there is a place for them, offering trust, safety, and compassion. SAFE is not alone in its efforts to make life easier for those who are suffering. There are angels among us who have devoted their lives to this purpose, who understand the pain that causes so many in our country and around the world to reach for substances to soothe anxiety, fear, and the emotional wounds that cry out to be taken care of. They understand the complexities of coming back, of regaining confidence and the skills necessary to take risks in order to find fulfilling lives of meaning and purpose. The word hero is used rather loosely, but certainly I know that to Jim and me, those who devote their lives to easing the pain of others are the true heroes, and we have them as our guests today. So welcome. And Jim, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Ann. Today we are really honored to have as our guests three people who, as Ann said, are at the corner of helping people recover from both mental illness and substance misuse. In our studio today, we have Julie Sprinkle. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, you're welcome. And Paula Fisher. I'm pleased to be here with you today. And Paul McElerney. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you, Jim. Great great to have you all. Now, I'm going to have each one of you explain what your positions are, and uh, then we're going to talk a lot more about the organizations that you're representing. Julie? Absolutely. I um, am a dual recovery coordinator for the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition, um, which is an advocating and organizational nonprofit that helps to organize the 35 clubhouses in Massachusetts, and I am a proud Crossroads Clubhouse member. How wonderful. And we're going to talk a lot more about exactly what the clubhouse is. Paula. Hi. I am uh, currently a staff at Neponset River House in Norwood, Massachusetts, and I have been a member of Crossroads Clubhouse for over 26 years. Wow, that's fantastic. And... Um, the experience that I had as a member of a clubhouse um, guided me to become a staff at a clubhouse. And it's work that uh, 
I love. And in addition to that, I am deeply involved with the um, International Organization for Clubhouses, Clubhouse International. And I am on their Clubhouse Advisory Council, as well as an accreditor for um, Clubhouses Internationally. Wow. So you, you have made this a lifelong vocation, yes. having been a member. And Paul? Hi. Yeah, I'm the uh, Assistant Program Director at Neponset River House, uh, the, the clubhouse that Paula is a staff at. It's a, it's a clubhouse under the auspice agency of Riverside Community Care, which also uh, includes Crossroads Clubhouse, which uh, these two are, are members of, and, and your previous guest, Val, was a former director of. Val Comerford, our, our wonderful uh, board member, and uh, we're so grateful for her. And we met through Val and through the uh, dual recovery collaborative that she runs. So, um, Julie, why don't I turn to you and ask you to demystify what a clubhouse is and, and, and why it's important. Absolutely. Well, um, a clubhouse is an opportunity for people who are struggling with chronic mental health issues to um, have vocational rehabilitation. It's a social program. Um, and, you know, when you've got a mental health issue, as I do, you know, even doing the basics can be challenging. And what the clubhouse offers is a work order day or a work-like environment that you go to and you're amongst peers who are having similar experiences and you are amongst staff who are supportive and are aware of your challenges. I want to give out the website right off the top of the show. It's massclubs.org. Julie, the clubhouse model is a unique way of using the community to heal. Would that be accurate to say? Absolutely. Um, And also to help normalize um, that you're not alone and that your experiences are shared by people who you learn to care about and love. You know, so, yeah, it really offers an opportunity to connect with a larger community community and identify and that in in and of itself is healing. It's not a clinical program. Um, It's a social program. And uh, it's really a unique, unique opportunity. Paula, you mentioned that you started as a member of the clubhouse, as did, did Julie. And, and can you tell us about that experience? Yes. Um, at the time I started in clubhouse, I um, was very isolated, had a lot of problems with trust with people, um, major depression, anxiety being around people. But when I, um, when I first went to the clubhouse, the first thing I saw was the four rights of a clubhouse. Uh, a right to a place to come, a right to have meaningful relationships, a right to return. I don't remember what the fourth one is, but that resonated with me. And when I started to attend the clubhouse and went to a certain area, there were people who just embraced me and... Um, wanted to be my friend, and that was something that was very foreign to me throughout my life. You know, Paula, not to date you, but you and I are probably similar in age or or roughly. Stigma played a huge part in keeping people sick. Was that your experience? Very much so. Um, You know, in a work environment, goes back to in school, in difficulties with the depression and just not being able to communicate with mm-hmm. peers. Mm-hmm. 
But there was no soft landing place for somebody that was suffering like you back then, was there? No, long ago when I was much younger, sure. um, you didn't even speak the name of counselors or right. um, mental health. It's not. It was taboo um, when I was much younger. And I'm just so grateful for the help that I've had in the last 25 to 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Paul, how did you come upon the clubhouse? Um, so I, I went to college for sociology and psychology. I was working at a vacuum store uh, prior to working at the clubhouse and realized um, that I, I was not really enjoying selling vacuum cleaners. Mm -hmm. So I decided to you know, kind of take my degree, turn it into a career as is the uh, intention usually when you go to college. Long way from vacuum cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the vacuum clean industry, it sucks. <laughs> but a boom. Yeah. So uh, I, I spent a day at work uh, at the vacuum store applying to different um, social worker jobs, psychology jobs, etc., many of which were Riverside Community Care. And they invited me in for an interview, and they said, please stop applying. You, we have too many of your applications by now, and you have a lot of energy, so we're going to send you to the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> they knew we could fit in immediately. They, uh, literally, uh, within like an hour of being there, I was like, now I know why they sent me here. <laughs> and Paul, these clubhouses do have unique names. So you are the director of the Neponset River House, is that uh, right? Assistant director. Assistant director. Correct, well, yeah. I just promoted you. Well, thank and you. You heard it here first. Um, congratulations. <laughs> uh, poor but, Danielle. <laughs> but you're the, yeah, you're the assistant director of the Neponset River House, which is right here in Norwood. And, um, and that clubhouse organization has a geographical reach. What towns do you cover at Neponset? Ooh, there's, uh, 12 there's a of lot them, of them, 11 yeah. or 12. But uh, it's all the way out to Rentham. And Rentham. It's, 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 um, it doesn't touch Franklin, ironically. No, enough, it but, goes like Rentham up to Dedham, over to Westwood, Medfield, and then over to like Canton. But the clubhouse model is one in which uh, the design is that every community be represented, have representation, right? So if if I'm in Franklin, I believe the clubhouse is out in Hopedale? Or? Yes, it's Crossroads Clubhouse in Hopedale. I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit because you brought it up, um, Paula. Your issues surfaced back when you were in school. Yes. And as people here who are devoting your lives to this in terms of um, really making people aware of the, the importance of sort of early intervention around mental health issues, the suffering. Maybe we can spare kids the pain of going through all of this at, at, at a young age when these things begin to surface. Can, can you help us um, today talk about how we could be intervening earlier and what are the things that we could be doing in schools and we can be educating teachers about because there still is a little bit of a focus on test scores and college entrances and and that pressure to the pressure that's on young people but I would love to hear just it's such so powerful what you guys are talking about but just how we in the, in education can sort of do more to to intervene earlier I'd just be curious to hear your opinions on that Yes, um, I feel like when I was young, there were no services, absolutely none, and nobody even thought about mental health. Today, I feel like it's somewhat different, perhaps not as different as it could be. I think that the more people in the system, the education system, in um outside community activities, um, the more people are aware of what children are feeling 
and what they go through on a day-to-day basis would help tremendously and helping them would come naturally. Sometimes the kids can't speak up, but if you know what you're looking for and you receive a little bit of training like that in your education, certainly, and as a te- you know upcoming teacher, um, it would be tremendously helpful. And I can tell looking in a person's eyes if they're suffering. And mm. I can tell when, when somebody needs help. Boy, that is so powerful to hear that, Paula. You know, I'm just going to speak for myself. You know, I come from a, uh, somebody who's suffered with a son who, who has uh, substance misuse and uh, mental health challenges. And so, you know, if a parent lets me know that they may have someone suffering that they love, you can see the pain. It's very, very visible. And that lived experience is really so important, isn't it, to have in your organization? Paul, you, you couldn't do what you do without lived experience, right? Um, I mean, the, the community as a whole uh, in each clubhouse has so many people who are integral to the, to the community that have lived experience, whether it's people on the staff, uh, of course, the membership, that together as a whole, I mean, it, the whole idea of a clubhouse is that it's an intentional community and that through joining this community and, and partaking in this community, not only do you have a sense of, you know, belonging and purpose and productivity, you can attain your own goals or reach for your own goals, as well as get the support you need from the staff and members who either have lived experience or plenty of, you know, secondhand experience just from working there and, and their own personal lives. Um, but yeah, I would say that you know, it, it's not. It, it's a lot different than I think Julie said. It, it's non-clinical specifically because it's just so like it's so wraparound uh, that you're just constantly surrounded by support, uh, but not in a clinical setting. There's no feeling of like, oh, you're a staff, so you're my doctor. You're a staff, so you're my clinician. It's you're a staff, so I'm going to work with you and, and cut vegetables today, and maybe we'll get to the point where we can talk about something that's bothering me, or if not, just by being productive, I'm going to reco- that's going to be aiding in my recovery just by being productive. Can I just ask a quick question about age group? Is this? Do you find that? Do you have a range? Is it? Is it older people or teenagers who are clubhouse members? The programs we require individuals to be eighteen years or older. What I found in most clubhouses is they have a, a complete range of ages from uh, eighteen through seventies, and it's wonderful. I think because. The people who are younger learn that the people who are older aren't such bad people after all. <laughs> and, um, and vice versa. And they help each other out. <laughs> Says and, the young guy. <laughs> and uh, as one of those older ones, I know how those younger folks can uh, help me feel sure. younger and more vibrant. I love it. I just want to remind everybody, we are speaking with members of the Mass Clubhouse Coalition. This is Safe Radio. My name is Jim Derrick. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen. And the reason why we're covering this, uh, and it's so central to our mission, Ann, is because substance misuse or substance use disorder and mental health cannot be attacked separately. They they coexist. I think Val Comerford gave me a figure of somewhere in somewhere in the 85 to 90 percent range of <laughs> cases of addiction, alcoholism, have a mental health component coexisting with them. 
when I first started in this space, and it was common to have treatment centers for substance use disorder or addiction, as they called it then, that focused only on addiction. So you were exposed to maybe a 12-step program or you were exposed to some other form uh, or multiple forms of recovery, only tackling your substance misuse. And mental health was completely left aside. I now see how absolutely preposterous that is. But the idea behind the clubhouses, again, as you've been hearing, is it gives people the opportunity to be completely wrapped up in support. And a big part of that support includes substance use recovery, right? And so, Julie, how does the clubhouse tackle people that have coexisting disorders? Sure. Well, I can give a little piece of my own story. Um, So I... um, from a very young age, um, was aware of the fact that, you know, I had family members with very severe mental health challenges. And I think that, in in addition to close family friends, um, inspired me and motivated me to want to go into psychology like Paul did. I went through and got my doctorate, and I became licensed, and I was um, a provider for six years. Um, I had my son, and then uh, about a year later, I had my first major mental health um, episode. I became delusional. I started hearing voices, couldn't sleep for, I mean, I couldn't sleep, period. And it was very scary. It was scary for my family. It was very sudden. And the one saving grace I had is that um, you know, it's funny. You don't ask the cardiology, the cardiologist, to treat his own um, cardio issue. You know, right? And um, I certainly fell into that category. You know, I, I certainly could not treat myself, um, especially when I was kind of mentally not present. But what I did have in my wheelhouse. Um, in addition, for, in addition to an appreciation for um, mental health treatment, was an appreciation for the twelve-step model. You know, coming up through graduate school, I had participated in taking people to twelve-step meetings for a long period of time. And I remember the first time I took a group into a twelve-step meeting, I thought, "Man, I feel like I belong here." You know, I didn't have a an alcohol issue, I didn't have a drug issue, but something about that higher power and feeling powerless and needing to turn my life over really spoke to me. I did have food addiction in my family and later found out from my 85-year-old grandmother that she had attended um, for a long time 12-step meetings for food. So after I had my son and I was struggling um, with with all of the changes that come along with being a new parent, I started going to 12-step meetings for food addiction. Then fast forward to having this first mental health episode and it really was the 12-step community that was there for me 24-7. I mean, you can hit a 12-step meeting on the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, um, you know, through the encouragement of people that I met on my journey to um, the clubhouse, I started attending some of those meetings. And then coming into the clubhouse, it was the famous Val Comerford from Crossroads Clubhouse, who encouraged me to come to the dual recovery meetings. And I said, really, dual recovery anonymous, is that 
for any addiction. And she said it absolutely is, you know, smoking, gambling, food, shopping, you name it. You know, we welcome anybody who's struggling with a compulsive behavior to come um, and join our community. So that was a service that was provided to me immediately upon coming into the clubhouse. And um, it just it fit perfectly because it was something I already knew was a useful tool that spoke to me and resonated with me and you know I mean the the silver lining has been the weight loss but really it's been um, learning a healthy lifestyle you know and um, it's provided me with a structure um, and a set of skills and tools and a way to think um, that I really needed especially when you're going through um, psychosis um, how to think in a healthy way you know, and repeatedly being shown and told these same tools over and over again, having the accessibility to meetings 24-7, um, but also in person at the clubhouse, and then being a part of what this clubhouse community where recovery, dual recovery was a central focus. Um, that that absolutely saved my life. Wow. What no, a, no, what no a powerful story. And I do want to give out the phone number right now. The Mass Clubhouse Coalition can be reached at 617-872-0190. 872-0190. As always, you can call the Safe Coalition Support Line 508-488-8105. And we will be certain to get you in touch. Julie, thank you for the courage in sharing your story. It's it's such a powerful testimony to recovery and i you know i know that in sharing our stories that's how we help other people so uh, really appreciate it and i hear anecdotally as i mentioned before we came on the air i hear from so many parents this conflict of what do i tackle first the substance misuse do i tackle the mental health as if it has to be separate and the good news herein is that the clubhouse as you just heard through dual, uh, julie and dual recovery anonymous tackles each it's a holistic program what was most powerful to me in listening to this those and and this is the reality that people have to understand is that it's they say the statistic is almost 50% of americans have some coping mechanism that is not productive. We use the word addictive. Whether it's eating disorder, it's whether it's video gaming disorder, addiction to porn, the fact is that, that this, you, the services, the clubhouse de- deals with all of that. It isn't just opioids, or I mean, not just, but that, right. and people recognizing where any one of these addictions interferes with a meaningful, purposeful life, and there's a place to go to deal with this. And I think we've got to get that out, that this isn't just for, you know, that this is really for all of those kind of things that Julie just spoke about. That's really powerful. And the courage to share her story, like you just said. This is what people are doing that's so incredible to me. It's very emotional when you sit, these, these brave people out there on the front lines beacon a beacon to everybody else say come join us you know you're not alone out there and with people like this it's to me very much like i i feel the same way and and um you know there's just there's so much suffering out there with both mental illness substance use disorder and so many people that that they they feel like it's a dead end because our systems are broken our systems of care are broken there are these enormous gaps as we all know between the emergency room and between a psychiatrist's office and then you go over to a 12-step meeting but they're not linked and at the clubhouse the beauty is not only are they all linked but then you have this whole community of support that wraps around you and says you know we embrace you and as you just said julie there is no 
disorder that you guys don't recognize or wouldn't embrace in a 12-step program. Paul, what's your experience um, in terms of, of, of the, I want to say the awareness of the clubhouse? What Do you think that, that the community at large knows about it, that physicians know about it? Where do you get most of your referrals? Um, so we get most of our referrals from the Department of Mental Health. But to answer your first question, it, it's it we we call ourselves uh, the mental health industry's best kept secret, mm. and we don't want that. <laughs> it's uh, you know not a day goes by that I don't meet somebody who's never heard of a clubhouse before, myself included, uh, when I first applied. Uh, and yet it's an international program, as um, as Paula told you. Um, you know we we rely on thirty seven standards to kind of keep us in line, uh, for lack of a better word, and it's kind of like our constitution. And it applies to you know every country that has clubhouses, every state that has clubhouses, um, and yet, you know, unfortunately, uh, without without certain um, dynamics in place, like some states don't have any clubhouses. Some states only have clubhouses that have to support themselves. Some states have clubhouses like Massachusetts that are numerous, and yet, I mean, I think I think we can all agree, and hopefully, we've converted you guys into thinking that. Uh, it's it literally is one of the one of the best um, tools in recovery and, and coping and uh, rehabilitation if that's what you're looking for. But really, just like in giving people who don't have somewhere else to, to gain uh, to gain such to have you know a meaningful purpose in life and to reach their goals uh, by unconventional means. And you know, frankly, they should be more considered conventional means. Exact. A big part of our mission as a community-based coalition is to inform our stakeholders. Of what's going on, and our stakeholders include physicians, psychiat- psychiatrists, hospitals, people in the mental health uh, sphere, as well as the substance use uh, disorder area. And I, I think I can speak for the board that this is going to be a flagship of what we're doing for the next foreseeable future. Certainly, with Val Comerford's cheerleading, I, we don't stand a chance if we don't <laughs> make this a central part of our mission. Because you're right. Um, how tragic is it to me that someone leaves? a psychiatrist's office and doesn't have the clubhouse's name in front of them. Can, can I just ask you guys a question? Um, I, I just know of this young man who's um, in recovery, wants to find a community, but there's a shyness or reluctance for him. Do you guys ever reach out if you have a name and, and or do you have to wait for the person to contact you? Is there someone if you say, I was just curious about that because he's right on the edge, he's ready to need help and he's just shy about doing it and if there were a voice or someone to pull him in that says I'm, there's a place for you here he's right on the edge and and he would be I just was curious if that's something you guys do or I, I feel like every time we give anyone a tour of the clubhouse um, we reinforce those types of thoughts and that you know here's a community where everyone is accepted and equal, and that certainly helps people come out of their shells. You know, the other thing that helps is having you and others that I've met as ambassadors, and now Julie uh, and you, Paul. Um, it really does. I've met wonderful people through Val Comerford, mm-hmm. and they proudly say, I'm a member of the clubhouse. It's like the second thing, other than their name, it's the second thing out of their mouths. And that's something I wanted to focus on. The word member is intentional. Can you tell me why you make people members? It's, uh, you know, to inf- uh, enforce uh, inclusivity mm-hmm. as well as, you know, to kind of break the, the mold of uh, someone who's receiving any mental health services is usually called a patient or a client. Uh, and th- those words are, 
uh, you hear them thrown around once in a while at the clubhouse, you know, I think out of habit, but not, I, I would hope, never out of a staff person's mouth because they were trained otherwise. Um, but sometimes the members, you know, they they might be so used to hearing that. And that's unfortunate that there is a hierarchy in most clinical uh, programs that we, we don't acknowledge that hierarchy. Uh, there's there's virtually nothing done in the clubhouse that's done by just the staff. Mm. Um, everything we do from the finances to the credit cards to the running of DRA meetings, you know, um, to making decisions about how the clubhouse runs is done by the members and staff, each with equal votes. Uh, well, actually, we don't vote, but each with equal voice, and we all come to a consensus on, on all decisions. Um, and yeah, it's wonderful. And I also just wanted to touch on, uh, I was listening to, to your interview with Val on the way here, and, and frankly, it was a little intimidating. I mean, how are we going to follow that? <laughs> but um, but uh, she mentioned the history of how DRA and the clubhouses kind of became synonymous to some people. And, and I, I'm glad that that's the case. Uh, there's nothing, there's really nothing in the clubhouse framework that would inherently make DRA be a part of Clubhouse. It was really the work of, uh, you know, Val Cumberford, Reva Stein, and their progeny, such as uh, Julie, making this link between DRA and Clubhouses. And it's strong in Massachusetts, and you kind of start seeing it come up in other parts of the country and the world of, um, of DRA meetings uh, spawning within the Clubhouses, which is pretty cool. Thank you for that. And that that's really important because I thought DRA and the Clubhouse would just automatically go hand in hand um, but but sometimes it takes uh, someone to 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 bring that uh, to the fore but I think that member to me and you just said it that implies ownership but it's a two-way street I now have a responsibility to the clubhouse as a member and the clubhouse has a responsibility to me and I to my peers to other members so to me it's just a really brilliant way of 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 breaking the system, breaking the chains that bind, the chains being, you know, you're a patient, you'll, I'm behind a desk, I'll tell you what, you know, oh, your 45 minutes are up, that's all we have time for, here's a script, get out of here, um, and, and that doesn't exist at the clubhouse. I do want to remind everybody, we are speaking with members of the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition. Uh, my name's Jim Derrick, I'm with my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen, this is Safe Radio. We are talking today about the critical intersection of really quality mental health care and, and a system of support through the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition along with substance misuse and substance use disorder. And so I do have a question along those lines. I come to the, I present to the clubhouse and say I'm an alcoholic, say my problem is alcohol, and identify as having an anxiety disorder as well. But clearly the alcohol problem is, is larger in my mind. In other words, I don't identify as being mentally ill but clearly I have a mental health diagnosis if I have anxiety. Is there any barrier to entry for, for somebody like that? Anybody who identifies as having a mental health issue of Perfect. any kind is certainly welcome in a Massachusetts clubhouse. And I think that's important because as a former stigmatizing person, I used to walk around, and when I heard mental health diagnosis, I thought schizophrenia. You know, I thought major clinical depress depression, all of which exist, and are certainly exist at the clubhouse. But I would have never said, and I have suffered from anxiety, treated anxiety in the past. I wouldn't have said I had a mental health diagnosis. Of course, today I know that's that's incorrect. So I think it's important in terms of breaking down stigmas and stereotypes that we're talking about, as you said, anybody with any type of a health diagnosis That's right. is welcome there. Can I, I just wanted to ask about uh, so, so many times um, 
individuals who, who you know, suffer with mental health issues or substance or whatever have lost jobs along the way, and then they lose confidence, and they don't have the skills to go back out there, and it contributes to their sense of shame and hopelessness. And can you speak to how you guys address that? Because that, to me, is really crucial. Wow, clubhouses <laughs> do that very uniquely. And um, we have different supports and different levels of supports around going back to work, around going back to school. Um, we have what we call transitional employment, which the member is completely supported. It's a position that the club itself kind of holds and starts people back to work. Um, an individual member will work in a position for six to nine months, um, be paid competitive wages for whatever that position happens to be, and get their feet under them and start that confidence back and help them be ready to take the next step to more competitive employment. Mm. Um, they have all the supports of the clubhouse. A staff person helps to train them. So somebody who understands them helps them be trained. And then the person constantly throughout that six to nine months has a connection with a staff who goes in there and helps them stay comfortable in that position and helps them to work out any issues they encounter while they're starting to work. Yeah, employment is, is literally the bread and butter of Clubhouse. Like tackling things such as uh, you know mental any any kind of mental health crisis or or, or struggle as well as addiction etc. Um, are all they're all like front and, you know front and center when it comes to like what we do every day. But really they take a backseat to employment, um, and that's because we we put so much emphasis on employment and and being a part of a productive community as as being extraordinarily rehabilitative. Wow, yeah, and that's been your experience, Julie. Absolutely. Um, so when I had my first mental health crisis, major mental health crisis, um, I, of course, had to shut down my practice. And um, I started going to the clubhouse because I had learned about it through peer support meeting. And I met the fabulous Val Comerford, and I knew it was an environment where I could go to during the day where I could be welcome and kind of get my feet under me again. Um, I knew being at home with my toddler was not going to be the best for my mental health. Um, so I was fortunate in the fact that I was able to go to the clubhouse um, and get that kind of support. Well, within a month, um, they had found me a ideal employment opportunity that was supported through um, the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition. And one of the things that was so helpful to me was that it was the staff at Crossroads that was, they were there for my interview. They were there through my training. If I needed help in my job on, on any capacity, they were there to help me and support me. And um, I don't, you know, to have to relearn how to work um, after having a higher education and an, a professional career, it was, as Anne was saying, it was stigmatizing. It was scary. It was 
overwhelming. And when you feel as though you've failed, it's really hard to believe that you can live a productive, meaningful life again with mental health challenges. But what I found is that um, the level of compassion and um, awareness um, and care that comes through the clubhouse has given me kind of like another level of, um, I think, fulfillment in my employment um, that I wasn't experiencing before because I didn't need it. You know, it didn't have to happen, thank God, <laughs> for a lot of years. Right. You know, I was able to independently make decision, career decisions and then follow through. Um, but to have the help when you need it and to have the people saying, you got this, you know, but we're there for you when you don't. You know, that was the caveat that um, I couldn't I couldn't do without. I don't know where I would be without it. Oh, Julie, you're so eloquent in your in your description of that. And it's um, I'm with Anne. It's it's emotional to it hear is, because, you know, the impact of, of your words and what, what you're saying. It's life changing and life affirming. What would your advice be to somebody who was considering going to the clubhouse but maybe as ann said you you i know for me it, it it's a it's the phone get looks awfully heavy when you're anxious and when you're not feeling well and you're not yourself because clearly people that first present are are either in crisis or have are are looking for recovery but haven't found it yet so what would your advice be how what's the best way for somebody just to walk in the door i mean there's a term in 12-step recovery, time takes time. And I think the same thing is true in mental health recovery. And it's true when it comes to, um, you know, adjusting to a new environment, adjusting to a new lifestyle. You have to easy does it. You have to be patient with yourself and with the community. Um, and sometimes just, you know, taking that first, like Paulo was saying, going in for the um, the tour, you know, just what's right in front of you, one step at a time. What's the next right thing that you need to do um, on this journey instead of getting way ahead of yourself? Mm. You know, sometimes people come in and say, I want to get a job doing this and I want to work this many hours and I want to make this much money. And then they get frustrated when that doesn't happen within like a couple of days. And the reality of it is, is you can't undo, um, you know, possibly a lifetime of unhealthy coping strategies um, teamed with, you know, neurobiological issues, teamed with genetic issues, teamed with, you know, social issues, all the stuff that goes on when you're struggling with mental health and addiction. Um, you know, you can't overdo that, undo that overnight. So you have to be patient. You need family members to be patient. You know, just how was your day? What did you have for lunch today? Who did you talk to? What was it like to be there today? You know, I had days where my voices were so bad. Um, I would sit and play um, games on my phone. <laughs> And it was the only thing that I could do to keep myself calm mm -hmm. and, and, and there in the environment. And Val would come up to me and she would say, okay, what's your score? Would it, how, how, how are you doing on that? Not that, not that the clubhouse is going to advocate for a lot of, you know, sure. gaming. <laughs> Don't get that wrong. But I mean, when somebody's really suffering and struggling, there is that compassion there and that understanding that, you know, sometimes we need to do some things that are a little left of center just to get through and that that 
that's going to be taken into account when you're in the process. Um, and, you know, you can trust the staff um, for help around those things. And like I said, easy does it one step at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself, um, you know. That's good. Great universal advice. Do you have a buddy system at the, uh, like, a, if I walked in, would I be teamed up with a peer possibly? Or how does that work? We try to do that with our orientation process mm -hmm. um, when members first start at the clubhouse. And uh, if we can find somebody who has similar interests mm -hmm. and encourage them to take this person under their wing, um, that's where we find a lot of success. I know you have a lot of social activities. So yes. I, I was looking at movie nights. I was looking at White River. Ra I mean, I... I want to go. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Parties at the uh, at Napon River House. We have um, a several year old tradition now of going to heavy metal concerts. <laughs> We've gone to uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Have you Iron seen Man. Power Trip? I have, but that's not 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 with the clubhouse. Okay, all right. That's on Paul's hat. So I assume that was a metal band. It is. Yes. That's great. Yeah. I mean, and and actually, it's funny you bring that up. Um, you know, the clubhouses are all are all based on relationships. Um, you know, by working with with the members and by and by members working with the staff, you build really strong relationships, stronger than many of the friendships I have outside of work. Mm. Um, to the point where I, um, and, and I'm trying to pat myself on the back, but it, it, it's it's a credit to the clubhouse. I took a member um, who had never been to New York City before to New York uh, a few months ago, off the clock, just because I felt uh, you got to see New York City. That's you know? great. Yeah, and then one of the other members and uh, is big into heavy metal. He's gotten me into a lot of the bands I like, and I, we, him and I have gone to several heavy metal concerts, again, off the clock, just because this is the kind of relationships that you build at the clubhouse. Yeah, and you know what I'm hearing is you're meeting people where they're at. So 100%. Val Comerford went to Julie. Julie is coping, and she didn't say get off the stupid phone. What are you doing? You need to do an employment application. You're meeting people where they're at. You like heavy metal? Hey, let's find someone else that likes it, right? You exactly. like to knit? We'll find somebody that likes knitting. Can I just I, I um, two things that sometimes keep people away? It seems to me a cost. You know, they don't have the money for a program. Also, the other thing too is a number of people, especially if they have had a substance background, have lost their licenses or are nervous about driving. I, I'd just be curious. How do you address those two issues: cost and transportation? So the clubhouse, in addition to being voluntary in every single imaginable way is also free to members it's they're they're paid for by um you know their membership and their attendance is paid for by the department of mental health that that's pretty true across the board worldwide i mean there's some ex unfortunate exceptions but for the most part clubhouses are are you know a free service to the membership and transportation um it, it that varies clubhouse to clubhouse for instance, uh, at the at Napons River House, and I believe also at, at Crossroads, the Department of Mental Health has teamed with uh, local vendors to provide transportation to the clubhouse. That system is not as you know, it's not as easy to break into as, it's, as it's a little one, patchwork. I think. A little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it, honestly, like for those who really want to use it, it it's very available. Uh, and then of course, there's people that do drive, people that live close enough to walk. There's public transportation, but uh, if transportation to the clubhouse is is hardly ever a barrier to becoming a member it might take a little bit of patience but it's 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 pretty it's something we can pretty easily tackle those were such essential questions and i'm so glad you asked them i mean imagine that a, a programming programming like this that's so robust so effective let's start there it's so effective i've got witnesses right in front of me where it's so effective it's free 
and transportation uh, isn't a barrier. Um, we need to get this out of the out of the weeds uh, and 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 into our um, constituents' hands. Uh, again, I want to encourage people to go to massclubs.org. That is the website for the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition. The phone number is 617-872-0190. As always, you can call our support line. If you're in the area and you want to find out how to access the clubhouse, you want more information, you want to talk to Julie, to Paula, or to Paul, or you want to access transportation, please call our support line at 508-488-8105, and we will be thrilled to take your call. The, The landscape for mental health and substance use misuse or substance use disorder from my lens as somebody who was stumbling around with no thinking he had no resources seven or eight years ago is changing so rapidly but it's because of the courage of people like you julie of you paula of you paul to come forward share your personal stories share your stories of recovery of uh, how you access services and welcome people in that is how we normalize this system of care. That is how we get this into people's living rooms and into their thought process so that if they have somebody that's suffering or they're suffering themselves, they have a place to go and they have people to talk to. Absolutely. There's just no words for me. And and we've got to get the word out and this whole thing. I was just curious, my final question just about funding. You know, we keep, you know, pleading, understanding that mental health issues, it's really epidemic, epidemic. And um, we need to put money and resources into it. It sounds like the support you're getting from the, the state legislature, is that all in, do we do you need more resources out there? Is that something we should be continuing to advocate for? Um, I just, you know, when we think about our advocacy as a, as a board of directors and for the Safe Coalition and connecting with our state legislatures, um, legislators, um, I didn't know what your feeling on that was. Is there all, uh, do you have enough resources? Do you need us to keep advocating for it or... I think that um, the current administration in the state of Massachusetts has recognized um, the fact that social services and um, including clubhouses and other mental health services have been historically underfunded and um, staff has worked for um, sometimes less than living wages. Um, it is recognized currently, and um, they are working to improve it. Um, and I think it'll take a lo- several years for it to um, get the attention it deserves. I also want to say, um, it, uh, you'll see in some like some states in the in the country. Uh, I think Mississippi is a good example. We're very clubhouse friendly, and then a single legisl- legislation passed and every clubhouse vanished. So it's, wow. Yeah, it, it's, it is, it is constantly on the chopping block just as most state funded, f- state funded things can be. Um, so the more that legislators hear about clubhouse and how much it helps someone that they might know, the better. Um, and we don't shy away from donations either. <laughs> great. So, so you, <laughs> that's great to know. So you, you, this is a nonprofit and you'll happily take, take donations. I do want to also mention that the, Crossroads Clubhouse, which serves the Franklin, immediate Franklin area, is located at 11 William Street in Hopedale, and the phone, direct phone lum, number there is 508-473-4715. The Neponset River House that you are the assistant director at is, can you give the phone number for that? 
Sure, it's uh, 781-762-7075. And uh, Crossroads has a website. Uh, is it crossroadsclubhouse.org? Um, as it, does NaponsetRiverhouse.org is the Naponset Riverhouse website. So any way you find them, go to massclubs.org or one of those independent sites, but just find them. And, and I share your concern about funding. Um, I know that um, I was fortunate Joanne Peterson from Learn to Cope asked me to be part of a panel that was talking directly to Maury Healy about the Sackler, the Purdue uh, Sackler money that's coming in as a result of the um, civil litigation. And, you know, one of the things that all of the people on that panel shared with Maura was, please don't just pour the money onto a broken system. Please look at the foundational problems in the system and look to fund those and fix those first. And what I'm hearing is foundational healing here. I'm hearing that, you know, understanding the intersection of mental health and substance use disorder and that you can't separate them and going to a proven model like the clubhouses and pouring money into that would be a heck of a, 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 a turn for the better here in the Commonwealth. The alternative is to keep pouring money into systems of care that don't work. And we have tons of those. Uh, that aren't really addressing the foundational issue here, which in this case is the intersection of mental health and substance misuse. Well, I want to thank Julie, Paula, and Paul from the Massachusetts Clubhouse Coalition for being here today. I want to remind you that you can find the Safe Radio podcast by going to www.wfpr.fm. Click on the past show link and you will find a directory for all of our Safe Coalition episodes, including part two of today's broadcast, which is going to focus on Dual Recovery Anonymous. So for my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen, my name is Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Safe Radio, and we'll see you next week.